Welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And each week, different guests from the world of college football join me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Today, we are joined by SEC Network lead host, Dari Noka, former Texas Longhorn and NFL safety, Kenny Vaccaro, and Executive Director of the inaugural Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Fred Olson. Today's show is brought to you by Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Also joining me as she does each week is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, we've been counting down the months, the weeks, the days to bowl season. We're at the point now where it's hours and minutes. How exciting is this? It's, it's so exciting. I, you know, I've, I have mixed emotions because it's sad because college football season is almost over and you just don't want to go those months without it. But this is the time when it really counts. It's bowl season and Nick, your team has really owned the season. You guys are doing so many things uh, to bring bowl season to everyone. Well, we, we like to say that bowl season owns December. Uh, we've done a lot of work since the kickoff of this season to, to start promoting it and leading into bowl season in ways we haven't done before this this podcast is one example. This is our, our 16th uh, podcast we've done. Uh, we've heard so many great stories from people who have participated in bowl games about their memories. And we're going to see more memories coming to life this uh, uh, starting on Friday uh, for the next three weeks. Yes. And uh, I think that our first guest, Dari Noka, host and anchor of the SEC Network, has uh, a little bit to say about bowl season, considering how many teams from the SEC are appearing in bowl games. Dari, it's so great to have you here. Angela, Nick, thank you guys. It's uh, it's great to be with you all. And uh, yeah, this is a great time for us as a, as a conference, as a conference network, for sure, to have 13 of our 14 teams get in. And, uh, you know, it's a record. And, and some of them, you know, we didn't expect. You know, we didn't expect South Carolina. Uh, to make a bowl game for one. I mean, that was certainly a surprise. We didn't know if Missouri was going to, to kind of squeak their way in and, and they did, um, you know, it, you know, to see Tennessee take great strides under Josh Heupel in year number one. Awesome to see that too. And Mississippi state and Arkansas to continue to the positive momentum that they have with Mike Leach uh, and Sam Pittman respectively. So it's, it's been a great story, a great season for, for our conference for sure. Sorry, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. We're we're gonna obviously get back to to bowl season specifically, but you you've worked for ESPN since two thousand four. You've I'm guessing you've probably appeared on every one of their platforms at at, at one time or another. Yeah. Uh, most of your work's been covering college athletics. Let's talk about this season just for a moment. It seems to me like college football is more popular than it's ever been. Am I right, or do I just have a, a biased viewpoint? Um, you know, I think that every year, uh, it's, it's funny because, um, gosh, you know, you hear the stories in the off season and, uh, you know, certain stadiums aren't selling out or whatever. I mean, I think we need to remember we're coming out of a pandemic or that we're actually still in. So to see full stadiums still the, you know, I, I think it's as popular as it's ever been for sure. Um, you know, I, I think what we do on our network, what we see on ESPN's college football, uh, uh work Fox's college football work, um, Look, the ratings, the ratings show it is absolutely, I think, certainly as popular as it's ever been. And, and you have a season like this where, you know, you get some of the unpredictability Two new teams in the college football playoff that have never been there before is certainly exciting. Watching teams like Michigan get past Ohio State finally and, and seeing a, a group of five team get into the playoff for the first time. And again, the stories of teams that like a Shane Beamer leading South Carolina to a bowl game when they were expected to have three or four wins. 
um, you know, there's a lot of reason for optimism from fan bases around the country and, and renewed optimism of fan bases that might have thought, you know, here we go again. No, you're not. You're doing something new, and that's a great thing. You mentioned earlier 13 of the 14 SEC teams being in bowl game. That's obviously a record. Uh, one of the things I love about bowl season is the great matchups that you see. Sometimes, yeah, oftentimes you see teams who wouldn't normally schedule each other match up in a bowl game, the conference right. versus conference matchups. Besides the obvious CFP games for Alabama and Georgia, what are, what are some of the other games that you're looking most forward to watching? Yeah, you know, I, I think there are games where you kind of want to see how teams come out. Um, you know, I, I would say if you're Florida, for all intents and purposes, this was a disappointing season. You're six and six. You weren't supposed to be six and six. Now you go into a bowl game in Tampa against UCF. I think it would be easy to look at this and say, okay, UCF is going to want nothing more than to be, you know, one of the big boys in the state. Florida needs to be careful. I kind of like that matchup. I think it's an intriguing, interesting matchup. Um, I mentioned, again, I've mentioned them a couple of times because I've just come to really appreciate what they've done in a short time. South Carolina, North Carolina. North Carolina comes into the season top 10 team or top 15. They get into the top 10. They might have flirted with the top five, if I remember correctly. And South Carolina wasn't supposed to really do anything. Uh and great opportunity for a team in this league to kind of make a statement win. So, you know, if I'm looking at a couple that jump out to me for varying reasons, you know, one, does I want to see Florida come out with the intensity that it frankly showed against Florida State? And I thought that was encouraging. And I want to see what South Carolina is able to do against a team that at least on paper and in terms of experience and perceived talent is a bit ahead of them. So, you know, though that's kind of what I like about bowl season two. I want to see teams that that are are playing for everything. I want to see teams that are playing like it's their last game. I want to see teams that are playing to help prepare them and launch them into next season. And and that's what that's what excites me. Yes, the cross conference matchups are certainly great, but I want to see what teams come out and look like from a motivation and from an excitement level. And I and I'm curious to see those two for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think depending on your program, bowl season can mean one of two things. It could be uh, an ending to the current season and a reward for a great season you've had, or it could be a serve as a launching pad uh, for the next season. You get some younger guys, a little more experience, uh, even, even the teams that have a new head coach, it gives that coach exactly. a, a chance to watch their guys and, and evaluate them. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and those are, those are players that are playing for that new head coach. Those are often players. And maybe the, you know, the story that people don't want to tell, those are players that may be playing for another coach somewhere else. If the new coach is not exactly running that kind of an offense or running the kind of a defense that might work, might work better for a, an edge rusher. You never know. And also, by the way, those assistant coaches, those assistant coaches that are still coaching on that staff, they don't know what the immediate future holds. They're coaching for their careers as well. So, um, you know, bowl season kind of presents different motivating factors than you would typically get in, a, in, in most regular season games. What's the, uh, what's the SEC network coverage like for you guys during bowl season? It's, uh, you know, considering that the SEC uh, teams are in over a quarter of the bowl games. Uh, tell us what the next three weeks are going to be like for you. Yeah, they're, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, we'll have our normal studio show SEC now, uh, you know, three to four times a week where we're certainly showing highlights of the bowl games. We're really ramping up for the playoff. Uh, we'll have two crews going since we've got two teams in the playoffs. So our SEC nation crew will be in Dallas 
uh, covering Alabama, Cincinnati, our SEC Now crew, which includes myself. We will be in Miami uh, with full coverage of Georgia, Michigan, the pregame leading up to it, the news conferences leading up to it. The game itself obviously won't be on our network, but we'll have a postgame show uh, on the 31st of December. Uh, that cover both of the games in Dallas and in Miami and getting us ready for uh, the New Year's Day bowl games as well. So, you know, we'll have a ton of coverage uh, over the course of the next few weeks, but it'll, it'll really ramp up as we get those two semifinals going. Now on a personal side for you, you grew up in Oklahoma, graduated, uh, graduated from Oklahoma. What do you think of your alma mater's matchup with Oregon in the Alamo bowl? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's boy, it's a program. Both of them have found themselves to be programs in flux with head coaching changes. Um, so I, you know, I like the matchup. I'm kind of curious to see uh, if Caleb Williams, we're not so sure if the super freshman, a lot of us is going to stay at Oklahoma. We certainly hope he does. Um, and so if he does great, we're, we're thrilled to have him there. And I would like to see how he does against Oregon. Um, you know, it's not, again, if you're Oklahoma or Oregon, for that matter, it may not necessarily be where you thought you'd be at the end of the year, but, you know, here you are. And, again, it's an opportunity for players to play for a new coach uh, to really, in a big moment against really good competition, um, you know, to, to have a standout game that makes an immediate impression to a new coach and a new staff. This podcast is called Bowl Season Story. So, so Dari, tell us yeah. some of yours. Do you remember – uh, what was your first impression of bowl games when you were a kid watching them on TV this time of year? Did you go to bowl games when you were a kid? And, and what are some yeah. of the more memorable ones you've covered as part of your job? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. So I did not go to them as a kid. We didn't, I grew up in Tulsa. We didn't have anything really around us uh, in terms of a bowl game, but as Oklahoma fans, the first ones I remember watching were orange bowls, you know, that big eight champion, you beat Nebraska at the end of the year, you're going to the orange bowl. You're likely playing for a national championship. I, I remember beating uh, uh, Washington uh, in a big bowl. I remember the Oklahoma Miami games, the Barry Switzer, Jimmy Johnson, orange bowls. Unfortunately, we didn't win many of those. Uh, Miami cost us a couple of national championships. Um, you know, I remember big Oklahoma Penn State Orange Bowl. I, I just, those are the ones that I remember. It, it seemed like as an Oklahoma fan, and when you're a kid, you're eight, nine, 10 years old, um, it, it felt honestly in that state like that was the only bowl game because that was the one everybody talked about. Got to get through the season, got to beat Nebraska, then you're off and you're playing for a championship. So from a fan as a kid, those are the ones that I, I remember most. I do remember Oklahoma State, Wyoming, and a Holiday Bowl jumping out to me, and Barry Sanders rushing for over 200 yards, and I think was a was like a 62-50 something Oklahoma State win. Um, that one jumps out to me. The Holiday Bowl kind of developed a reputation for a right. while, having those really high scoring oh, games. Great games too, wasn't it? Yeah, and because you get the West Coast team and the, and the Big 12 team. I remember the great Texas Bowl games. Kenny Vaccaro probably remembers a lot of those out in the Holiday Bowl as well. Um, from a work standpoint, well, not from, first of all, the Oklahoma Boise State, I was not covering that one, that Fiesta Bowl, which was everybody was like, oh my God, as an Oklahoma fan, that must have been tough to watch that Boise State game. And I said, no, like, like it gave me a reason to make sure I was awake and watching that game because I'm glad I got to see and see that stuff happen in real life. The fourth down hook and ladder, the two point conversion, halfback toss. And then obviously the statue of Liberty end around where Ian Johnson runs into the end zone, wins the game in overtime and proposes to his girlfriend, who's a cheerleader for Boise state. Like that was incredible. And, and really the most exciting one I'd seen live or in person until 
the 2017 season, 2018 January 1st Rose Bowl National Semifinal, Oklahoma, Georgia. I'm there for work covering Georgia out of the SEC, an Oklahoma grad and everything inside of me, certainly rooting for the Sooners in a game that went to double overtime and ended with a Sony Michelle touchdown run to send Georgia to the national championship game against Alabama. I remember being there with Matt Stinchcomb, who's a Georgia grad, uh, and Chris Doring, my partner on SEC Network, who went to Florida, who was wholeheartedly rooting for Georgia. I remember standing next to the commissioner, Greg Sankey, uh, who, when Oklahoma scored on the first touchdown from Baker Mayfield to Hollywood Brown, he knew who I was rooting for on the inside, and he kind of gives me a little punch into the shoulder saying, you know, watch yourself, buddy. Um, that's not our conference, you know. Um, it, it was it was it was an incredible experience to get to go to a Rose Bowl with that much on the line and to see the greatest game I've ever seen in person to this day. Very, very vivid memories you have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was that was kind of the highlight of my of my career. It was the best business trip I've ever been able to take to get to to get to go. Now, the next two years, I also saw Oklahoma in a semifinal and they were blowouts against Alabama and LSU. So the, the Georgia one stands out a little bit more. Sorry, last question for you. You and I are both very fortunate. Uh, at, we get paid to watch college football, talk about college football. Obviously, there's more to it than that. But what's the best part of your job? The best part of my job is Saturdays in the fall. Uh, the best part of my job is getting to watch, you know, monitors, full slate of monitors of game after game after game, getting to talk about them on the air and, frankly, getting to talk about them off the air. Chris Doring, Gene Chizik, Benjamin Watson, that's, that's my team. Uh, in, in the SEC network on Saturdays. And, and we cherish, honestly, every minute that we get to hang out for those 13 or 14 regular season Saturdays. Uh, you know, the bowl trip will be great, but it's, it's honestly, it's getting to spend time in that studio, watching, reacting to off air, probably more fun than on air most of the time, just because we all have the same passions and mentality. So you give me those 13 or 14 fall Saturdays in studio with those guys. That is by far my favorite part of the job. And I honestly, we've had conversations the three of them would all say the same thing and it's not just them it's our producers it's our coordinating producers it's just our team in that building we have so much fun hanging out with each other well dari thank you so much for being on the show good luck sure. the next three weeks and hopefully i'll run into you on the road somewhere this bowl season sounds great nick i look forward to it we're going to take a short break and be right back with former texas longhorn and nfl safety kenny vaccaro stay with us the forecast for this tax season, it's going to rain refunds, lots of refunds. File for less and get more with TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. We are delighted to be joined by former Texas Longhorn and All-American, as well as recently retired NFL safety, Kenny Vaccaro. Kenny, thanks so much for joining us for Bowl Season Stories. Hey, thanks for having me. <clears throat> Kenny, uh, welcome to the show. You played in three bowl games in your career, including yeah. the 20, 2010 National Championship game. Now, uh, the, the playoffs, the BCS Championship games uh, get, get, get a lot of love uh, during bowl season. But I want to talk about your junior and senior year. Uh, in the 2011 Holiday Bowl against Cal, you and your defense held the Golden Bears to seven rushing yards, yeah. 195 yards total offense. You had five tackles, 21-10 uh, victory. What do you remember about that trip to San Diego? Oh, well, I like San Diego. That was my first time being in California. I, ne I had never really been anywhere growing up in Texas. But for me, that trip, 
I remember a lot about the game, honestly. I remember they had, you know, Keenan Allen and Marvin Jones. They're still in the NFL right now, thriving. That was their two starting receivers. Um, we were going against a good team. Uh, it was exciting. I remember during that week, every, there was a lot of speculation if I would um, if I would leave my junior year and go to the NFL. And then after the game, I kindly made, made the decision to come back for my senior year. So that's probably what sticks out the most for me, being in San Diego that week. Well, you came back your senior year. You played in the 2012 Alamo Bowl, and you went out mm -hmm. on top, uh, went over Oregon State. Obviously, that's a big deal for uh, any senior to, to finish yeah. on top. You were fortunate enough to, to play in the pros, but for many guys, a lot of your friends, your teammates, that was the last football game they ever played in their life. Yeah. Tell us what that last game is like and why bowl games matter for those seniors. I mean, it's special. Like, you, like we were talking about earlier, it's four or five days of you getting to spend time with your teammates. Um, so even even some teammates that you wouldn't normally spend time with during the season, during the bowl game, you're kind of all together. You're in the hotel. You know, depending on where you're at, you might go to a movie or amusement park and do all these type of activities that the bowl staff has prepared for you. Um, it's, it really, it truly is a great experience. I think, I think on uh, during our bowl game for the Oregon State game, the Alamo Bowl, I think it was Christmas. I think I actually was spent Christmas with some of my best friends and. I got to see my family a little bit, but it, I was really, honestly, I was around my team, which it was an amazing experience. Um, and yeah, it is sad, you know, when it's the last game, but um, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's part of football, right? It's people have to move on and continue their life. <clears throat> well, congratulations on your retirement from the NFL. Yeah. You, you had a, a very successful career. Uh, I know that's, that's a grind uh, and it was time to, for you to move on and, for a lot of people, that's hard, but you've, you've been able to make a transition. You've, uh, you have a new business venture called Gamers First, an e-gaming yeah. company. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. and What's that all about? Uh, with G1, it's kind of been a project that I've been working on for a long time. Um, me and our, uh, my three co-founders, you know, Hunter Swinson and Cody Hendricks, um, we actually started G1 about a year and a half ago, but we actually did actual PR just recently, and that's kind of how it got released to the world. But um, for me probably the biggest reason I retired was because I knew the success of G1 predicated if I stayed here and, you know, us three took, took reins of the company and, 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 and took us, you know, kind of to the promised land. Honestly, we, uh, we got a tournament tomorrow in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm flying out at 12 o'clock. Uh, it's a halo tournament. It's the first ma halo major in seven years. We have a pro team. We've already placed like top five already, which is insane because every other org that we're, you know, going against is, backed by millions and millions and millions of dollars um so yeah it's always been a passion of mine that's part of rather the reason the name is gamers first i i'd been gaming since i was a little kid my kids do it now they game all day long it's funny but um i'd always done that and it was always a passion of mine and uh, i always told myself i i would make leaving football easy transition i never wanted football to be my only like it's it's, it's consumed me it's been my identity my whole life and i never wanted to step away from the game lost and what you know my passion you know, in gaming um, and my other business ventures made it an easy transition for me. Excellent. Uh, let, let's talk about bowl games a little bit more. You know, bowl season in general is one of the many things that makes college football so special. Uh, yeah. and, and it's hard. You know, I, I'm, I'm older than you. I look back when I was 19 to 22 years old. It's, it's hard to appreciate what's going on when it's happening. Uh, yeah. it, it, uh, so many great stories on this podcast have, have come out about the great memories people have had being in mm -hmm. bowl games. What advice do you have for today's student athletes, many of which will be suiting up for the last time over the next uh, few weeks in a bowl game? I guess I would say to truly enjoy it. Um, treat each moment 
like it truly is your last you might you're, honestly you don't you don't get that time with your teammates that time with your coaches back I remember leaving uh, my rookie year. I would always have dreams about being back in college at, you know, playing back at DKR or being at a bowl game with my, uh, with my teammates. So for me, the best way to not have regret regrets is just to live, live in each moment, appreciate your teammates, appreciate those moments you have with each other, because eventually, you know, it, it, it goes away. We all have people in our lives who have kind of helped us get to where we are. You know, I'm sure you have many, any early mentors for you that, that, that stick out in your mind, any specific teammates at Texas that were inspirational or, um, or how about, how about coach Brown and the coaching staff? Any, 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 uh, any stories you want to tell there? Yeah. I mean, early, I've had a couple of people I'd like to shout out. I mean, Andy Howard, he's uh he's coaching for Brownwood, my high school that I went to. Um, he was the first person that, really made me fall in love with being on defense and being a corner and a safety. Um, and probably the most influential man in my life ever has been Dwayne Aquina. He was my uh, DB's coach while I was at Texas. He's now the, the DB coach at Stanford. But um, he not only shaped me as a football player, obviously into a first round pick, but he made me into a better man. I, when I left, when I got to Texas, um, I was a small town kid from Brownwood going to a, a big city at the time, Austin. And uh, he helped me navigate through that and mature each and every year. Um, I mean, I owe him so, so much of my success. And then obviously Coach Brown, uh, the way he treats all his players, um, his kindness, his leadership, um, the way he treated all, the way he treated me and my family, his attention to detail, how he asked about my mom and my brothers and my sisters all the time. That stuff really, really meant a lot to me. And uh, I'd say they shaped me the most in my life. <laughs> Well, Kenny, we've taken up enough of your time. Thank, thanks so much for being on the show. I tell you what, it's really, it's really fun to see a guy have so much success like you did uh, in your football career, but then to be able to find another passion after football uh, to pursue. So I'm, I'm really, uh, really excited for you. Good luck to you in your career after football. Hey, Nick, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're going to take a short break and be right back with the Wasabi Fenway Bowl Executive Director, Fred Olson. Stay with us. Bowl season is finally here, and with Bowl Season Radio, you'll be able to keep up with all the action. Bowl Season is teaming up with First Team Ventures to provide live national radio play-by-play -play coverage for 18 college bowl games this season. Bowl Season Radio will give college fans the opportunity to stay dialed in to college football's postseason, whether they are driving cross-country or staying close to home. Celebrate college football and listen to Bowl Season Radio on select stations, satellite radio, or off the game day live homepage at bowlseason.com. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. We are this close to the start of bowl season and excited to have our next guest on who is launching a brand new bowl, the Fenway Bowl, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Executive Director Fred Olson is here to talk about that experience. Hi, Fred. Hello, Angela. Thank you for having me. Fred, thanks for joining us. You've been involved with many events uh, outside of baseball at Fenway Park, uh, the Frozen Fenway events, the 2015 Shamrock Series game with Notre Dame, uh, Liverpool U.S. Tour, uh, several other regular season uh, college football games. This isn't your first rodeo, uh, but it's your first bowl game. Tell us about your history of producing and running events at Fenway Park in general and how this bowl game came about. Definitely. Well, thank you, Nick, for having me, and, and we're excited for, for the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, but you're right. There's a, there's a long story behind it. Uh, you know, we like to say it, everything 
everything began January 1st, 2010, when we hosted the NHL Winter Classic with the Bruins and the Flyers. Uh, immediately followed that event a week later with uh, the first Frozen Fenway, the first of four, as you, as you rightly point out. Um, and then from there, really, our, our special events business and, and hosting uh, non-baseball, uh, large sporting events at the ballpark really started to pick up. Um, and and uh, on the football front specifically, when we when we heard from Notre Dame in circa 2013 that we had an opportunity to host uh, the Shamrock Series, you know, of course we jumped at the chance uh, and were able to bring that to fruition in November of 2015. Uh, and that was the first football game of any kind at the ballpark in 47 years. Uh, couldn't have started off with the better uh, partners in Notre Dame, and the game went off without without a hitch, thankfully. And it was really there that we started to think about, okay, what else can we do in the football space? Um, and, and in the right too, we hosted a few more games after that, including the Harvard-Yale game in 2018. Uh, and then that's right around the time when the bowl opportunity uh, presented itself. So, you know, we're, we're thrilled. We definitely have, have done this a few times, but the, the bowl season itself, excuse me, the bowl week itself is something we're new to. Um, so we'll look forward to having the teams in town for a few more days than we have uh, historically. You know, one of the many great things about bowl season is the great matchups. You know, you often see teams that are geographically uh, in different places, teams that would never schedule them each other in the regular season, come together and play in a bowl game. And you have that this year in the inaugural Fenway Bowl. Virginia taking on SMU, great matchup. Tell us, what can fans of those teams expect uh, when they make the trek to Boston? What are some of your main points of focus for those fans? Sure. No, we're, we're thrilled to have SMU and UVA in our first year and you know, one of the things that we drove home to to both, uh, you know, to all the partners, the conference partners, uh, ESPN, NCAA, was, is Boston being a destination city. You know, first and foremost, we're here to showcase Boston and all that has to offer, particularly around the holidays. Uh, there's, of course, the history of the country that will be much on display for, for fans as they, they make their way around town. Um, and then, of course, it, then it focuses in on, hones in on Fenway Park itself and the great history of the 109-year-old facility. Uh, so, so we believe there'll be a ton of activities for folks to do. We're, we're making sure that they have access to, to learn about those on the FenwayBall.com website under the fan zone and things to do and working with the Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, to welcome everyone coming in from uh, those two markets and hopefully from across the country. Um, so that's, that's, as we alluded to earlier, I mean, that's, I think, what's most exciting to us is, you know, we know we're going to have thousands of people coming in and that's going to help uh, the tourism of Boston uh, in the winter, which is a terrific thing. You were fortunate to secure a great partner in Boston-based Wasabi Technologies, the premier provider of cloud storage solutions for businesses. What was it about Wasabi that makes it such a great fit for you? Yeah, exactly. Number one, being a local company, I mean, that was that was our mission from the beginning. You never know how things like that are going to shake out, uh, but, but it worked out uh, really well in the end. They're up and coming. Uh, they're taking on some some big big players in the tech space. I won't name their names, uh, but in the cloud storage space, cloud storage space, excuse me, there are some big ones. Uh, and they definitely, you know, they they wanted to get people's attention with that company name Wasabi. So we've had a lot of fun with them uh, on that, uh, and 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 we're we're certainly happy to be that platform for them to get their name out further. Um, and, and they're terrific people. Mike Welts is their CMO. Uh, he's already become a very close friend of the organization in the short time. Uh, and it's a multi-year partnership, which, uh, you know, we're excited about many things, but we're certainly really excited about that. They'll be with us for hopefully years to come and certainly in the next few years. You know, one of the, th while, while every bowl game is unique, one of the things they all have in common is they really go to great lengths to try to engage the community. 
uh, you announced the formation of an executive committee, a 16-member organization that will provide strategic recommendations to, to, to foster the game's educational and community-oriented uh, mission. Talk a little bit about that. What's the Wasabi Fenway Bowl's mission uh, moving forward? Yeah, so our mission, uh, quite, quite straightforward, is to, to promote and support and strengthen education uh, and equality in, in, in education for everyone across New England. Uh, so certainly it's a big, big task ahead, uh, but we're, we're starting you know, out small with uh, our Fenway Bowl Honor Roll, uh, which recognizes um, teachers, uh, educators, administrators from across the region uh, who are nominated by their schools. Uh, and there are 30 folks who are going to make up this 2021 Fenway Ball Honor Roll, uh, and they'll be featured on the Boston Globe's website, uh, three of which are going to be our monster finalists, uh, and they're going to receive a grant. Thanks again, uh, Nick, to you and to Bowl Season for the great partnership with Extra Yard for Teachers. So on behalf of, of Extra Yard and Bowl Season and, and the South Bay Fenway Bowl, each of those finalists will receive a $5,000 grant that will be used towards their schools. Um, so we're thrilled to, to start to make those inroads and there'll be a lot more to come on that front. We're cooperating with the Greater Boston YMCA uh, with an organization called Boston After School and Beyond to try to reach kids and not just the traditional way of you know, going straight to their school, but where do they hang out? How do they spend their time? Uh, and being a positive you know, impact as best we can in the community. Uh, and I'll just finish by saying, you know, again, when we were approached uh, and really approached the opportunity ourselves or sought out the opportunity to, to secure a bowl game, these were the elements that were most interesting to us. Uh, you know, the Red Sox even of them, in and of themselves are, are big players in the community. Uh, and we just wanna to try to supplement that as best as we can. So we've got a lot of work cut out for us, as I mentioned, but uh, we're thrilled with uh, how we're beginning. Fred, as, as I've gotten to know you over the course of the last couple of years, it's clear to me that, that you're, you're really good at building relationships uh, in business and personally. As a result, you have a, an expansive network of colleagues and friends in college football, as well as baseball. Uh, what are some of the best things you've learned as you've grown your experience and developed this bowl game from concept to reality? Oh, yeah, we definitely definitely call on a lot of those folks for for their opinion, their guidance over the last few years. And I think the biggest thing certainly is to focus on the student athlete experience. You know, it's pretty straight. It's pretty um, you can understand why that is. But I think when it's driven home over and over again as the first thing, uh, when people answer that question, uh, we, we've concentrated on that quite a bit, um, you know, not to over program it too much, uh, but make sure that we're hitting on those key things that Boston has to offer and certainly that, that Fenway has to offer. Um, so the teams themselves will come, for instance, they'll come to Fenway the, their first uh, day in town for a, a behind the scenes tour, you know, and for many of them, no doubt it'll be their first time uh, at the ballpark, probably in Boston as well. Um, and, and again, I think just reiterating the part about the community and, and, and making sure that that is a focal point of what we're doing. Um, so the football part and all the aspects that go with that, I think, uh, you know, the, those are going to come back a little bit with muscle memory from 2018 and Harvard Yale. Uh, but it's all those ancillary elements. Um, and, and yes, everybody across the bowl system has been extremely supportive, um, generous with their time uh, and generous to, to even, even Emily Hamel and everyone at the Yankees, Mark Holtzman, uh, very, very generous with their time and their, and their support. We've been watching them, of course, for years and how successful they've been. And Nick, we know that bowl is uh, near and dear to your heart. Um, so, so look, if we can be you know, half as good as them in our first year, we'll be, we'll be pleased with that. Well, last question for you, Fred, and I know it's it's probably hard with, with your inaugural game being two weeks out to focus too far into the future, but tell us, what do you see as the long-term plan for the Wasabi Fenway Bowl? 
Yeah, so yeah, long term, uh, we're here in, in 15, 20 years. Uh, we, we really uh, made great strides in our work within the community on the education front. Uh, we've got programs in and, out, in, in, in and throughout, excuse me, New England uh, throughout the year, the calendar year. I think being able to build out that programming, not just in the, for a few months that lead up to the game, is, is going to be key for us to make sure that we are uh, reaching all, all corners of this, of this great region including all the way up in the state of Maine and Vermont. Uh, and so, yeah, I think building that stable of, of corporate partners, uh, the executive committee right now, as you, as you mentioned earlier, and thank you for that, it stands at 16 people. Uh, we definitely have, have plans to grow that quite a bit. Um, so there's, there's a lot, and I think we've got that, that foundation really, as, as everyone says, we're hoping, hoping we've built a good foundation to the house and uh, we'll keep improving upon that house uh, at, least, at least next several years to come. The inaugural Wasabi Fenway Bowl is scheduled for Wednesday, December 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern time at Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. The game will be broadcast on ESPN. Fred, thanks so much for being on the show. Really rooting for you. Uh, college football needs a bowl game in Boston, Massachusetts. I can't think of a better place to have a game than Fenway Park. Uh, good luck this bowl season. Thank you very much, Nick. Much appreciated. And thanks to all of you for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening. 